0: So, it's just me and Alex here in the house, the proverbial uh, online house, uh, here to talk about Alex's music that he's released as Brock Winthrop. Um, maybe we should actually just start with that name. Like, what does that
1: name refer to? You? It's a Longmont Potion Castle name from Longmont Potion Castle Volume 4. Oh, okay. and I liked I didn't it know because it fit in with the theme of, uh, you know, Puritans and Massachusetts history and all that stuff.
0: Just, like, the vibe of the name, or, like, did it have actual context within Longmont?
1: It had no context. It was just a funny name he came up with. Yeah, for sure. On it Wikipedia, just to you they used to have uh, alternate names for him, and it was a whole section. It was, like, a hundred different ridiculous names, like Luther Manhole and all that shit. <laughs> and the mods kept reverting. It. The also known as section. And it's very nasty of them to do so.
0: Luther Manhole, that could have been a very different project of yours.
1: Yeah, that would have been like, I don't know, I imagine it would like sound like T-Rex.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that's funny. I knew you were, you were big into Longmont, but I didn't know that came from there. Um, I don't know, I guess we should start by talking about like the three-song EP. Um, do you want to talk about sort of the overarching theme of it, I guess, or...?
1: Uh, the general theme of it in the design, even though the lyrics aren't about, it, is like Massachusetts history, the 1600s, 1700s dying in the woods in the winter, all that kind of thing.
0: For sure, yeah. I think um, the like the first and last song on there are both are like seem super illusion heavy, and then um, Beverly is the one that sticks out as being very like normal and does that make sense like it's kind of yeah um, that's
1: that's more direct that's the most yeah, direct exactly, song I've released sure. even though it's still full of uh pretentious bullcrap <laughs> yeah.
0: but actually I would say that song in particular leverages the pretentiousness of it into like a very relatable human story I guess right like the whole um when you said you hated Rothko's art, I ran right into your arms thing. Like, that's a smart way to play at those those kind of themes, I guess.
1: Yeah. That was just uh, that was so long ago. Just being on like a shitty Tinder date. <laughs> it's forever ago. Oh, is that like a very literal story the whole thing? Pretty much literally. Yeah, you played Imagine Dragons on your roommate's oh, TV. Oh, a, a that
0: real was nice ex- about experience. it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Imagine Dragons. I will start a diss with them. I don't care. Start a, a beef by dissing them. Yeah. Like when you collab with someone, that's
0: Brock Winthrop X Imagine Dragons. When you beef with them, that's Brock Winthrop V Imagine Dragons. There's not enough of those out there.
1: We're taking it to the Supreme Court.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they should make a song dissing you, too. They should.
1: You put Brock Winthrop on your
0: roommate's TV.
1: They have the opposite problem as me, and they don't get specific in lyrics. Yeah, and it's <laughs> just true. like I'm—I'm I'm like thunder. I'm like the fire. I'm gonna—I'm <laughs> gonna do stuff. What a bad band! If it's um, like they were created someone... for commercials.
0: Oh, absolutely. But that's your problem—is you're not uh, created enough for commercials. Where imagine Dragons, uh, if they had someone play Brock Winthrop on their roommate's TV, they'd be like, "What's this fucking loser shit?"
1: yeah what's this bullcrap?
0: Changed this YouTube channel, but um trying to think of, oh yeah, so I guess thinking of like fall town um what like you know that's maybe that's like the most like synth forward song that you've
1: got what 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 do you use for all your like keyboard tones? that was I think two or three different harpsichord simulators oh cool layered okay. in octaves and like panned left and right.
0: I downloaded a couple
1: of different ones. I love the sound of the harpsichord.
0: Dude, me too. That's one of my favorite instruments, actually.
1: I was listening to like mid 60s Beach Boy stuff, like before Pet Sounds came out, like the couple of albums before that. There uh-huh. were a lot of uh, harpsichord driven songs. And I love that sound. I love the Baroque pop aesthetic.
0: One of the only like harpsichord pop songs that always comes to mind is Do You Know the Model by Belle and Sebastian? I don't I feel like you would maybe like that. Like it is actually now that I think about it, I feel like their melodies in general are something that do you ever listen to them? Like obviously like no, you and I could like I'm kick not a both their asses. We could like kick their asses right now, but I don't uh, listen to
1: hipster crap like them and Justin Bieber.
0: <laughs> I feel like their sense of melody is very derived from like the same kind of sixties stuff that some of your sense of melody is derived from.
1: Scottish people have an innate gift for melody. This is true. It's genetic.
0: That's why Franz Ferdinand had so much longevity.
1: Yeah, they had so many hits. They had Take Me Out and uh, Seven Nation Army, um, Vertigo by U2. They had a lot (laughs) of great songs.
0: I'm trying to imagine uh, Franz Ferdinand, Take Me Out to the Ball Game.
1: There were some real bad post-punk things going on in the early 2000s. There yeah, were but some I liked really all good of ones. It.
0: Actually, I didn't like all there's too much in England, especially, there was so fucking much of it that there was all kinds of just fucking like third-tier garbage. Yeah, like the
1: Fratellis. Yeah. Get ugh. out of here.
0: Dude, can you like I don't know if you know this, but in Chicago, like the Blackhawks have made that insanely awful song of theirs a thing they play every time they score a goal, and it's been like that for years now. It's like the Fratellis are probably living entirely off of Blackhawks royalties now, and that song's so fucking bad. And Aren't the Black British though? Yeah, exactly. That's why I don't even understand why the fuck they're using the song. They couldn't but find like, a you know,
1: Chicago musician?
0: There's, there's no good bands from here, apparently.
1: They should use you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they should play like the entirety of um, like the second disc of Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Every time this They, they should just go
1: back to using Gary Glitter Rock and Roll Part 2. People will exactly. forget about it.
0: That's like nice and fun, and you can, uh, you can stomp to it. I don't know if you can dance.
1: One of my theories is that Imagine Dragons in those bands are basically trying to recreate Rock and Roll Part 2. That's probably true. Like the
0: simple, like percussiveness. It's just arena rock in general. I think they're trying to just Yeah. Like very stupid on, like, arena rock
1: specifically meant for sports arenas. And I think after Gary Glitter went away for uh, being innocent and being (laughs) persecuted by the UK government, um, someone had to fill that niche.
0: Yeah, like even, you know, there's definitely a very like narrow formula for arena rock because like We Will Rock You by Queen is the exact same type of just... One of
1: the worst songs of all time. So
0: simple. There's a couple accidental arena songs though, like song two by Blur. I really don't think they intended that to have the kind of like arena crossover it had.
1: I'm just remembering now in that video of Magisto, who on the Chapo stream, we play one of his songs, Carol of the Bong, all the time. (laughs) There's a video of him ripping a four-foot bong, and uh, one of the other guys in the video says, it's like the Rocky theme should be playing. We are the champions. <laughs> that's amazing, and that's just such a good error. <laughs> it's so good. I love the idea that all I know, those like, you horrible make songs are just you one song. It's so good. <laughs> I have the tiger exactly. that can go away. It's Put like it all a really stupid,
0: bin. like bird brain comment that reveals how similar all those kind of songs are for sure.
1: They really are. Might as well just be one song.
0: But I guess the point is that that's why that girl played Imagine Dragons and not your song because. That shit is just so bird-brained that it's uh universal.
1: And you're the one with the problem. Yeah, I gotta start making jock jokes. You played Imagine Dragons and your room needs
2: TV But I was nice about it cause you were nice to me And at your house I She likes me and you just want me gone. When you said you hated Rocco's art, I ran right
0: into your arms and though I I'm gone, trying to think what it was. So um, smart, if the Fall like Town it. stuff was like a specific harpsichord plugin, in do you use a bunch of different keyboards or different plugins for the other songs? I kind of just assumed you were using like one either actual keyboard or one plugin for all of them, but I guess not.
1: The harpsichord would have been the same plugins on all of them. Oh, it's just a different patch? I think so. I think I had two different sets of harpsichord samples. Okay, cool. And then I layered them on both the first and third tracks. Cool. What, what program do you use again? Like what DAW? Those were, those were Logic, but I use Ableton now because I'm on Windows okay. I actually like Ableton better. Oh, really? It's got the alternate view where you can, like, sort of demo stuff, like create these little loops. Okay. It's kind of hard to explain, but there's a, a, actually, a main what, screen yeah. where it's vertical and then one where it's horizontal. And it's like a regular I, DAW, but it, it helps me write.
0: I do have, like, a really um, vague idea of what you mean because Joel's used those... Like for the um, E One songs that Joel did, like Black Flanders and um, Politics in America, I think that's what he was using. Like, because you can kind of just set up loops that are a certain number of bars, and it's like easy to structure out a song. You know, yeah, it makes it so easy to, right? to structure. Yeah, because yeah. you have
1: like uh, a set of loops that's like the verse, and then the chorus, and you can even stop like if you have six bars of a loop before the chorus or whatever. There's like a timing shift. You can just stop it and immediately go to the chorus You just sort of hear like a demo of what the song's supposed to sound like on the fly. It rocks.
0: Yeah, it's really good for songwriting, especially for stuff like rap, you know, rap and Brock Winthrop.
1: Those are the only genres I don't listen to. Yeah. (laughs) Everything except for those.
0: So I know you had said before, like most things you do these days are just like DI'd and plugins and stuff. So do you just use like a MIDI keyboard for all the keyboard stuff?
1: Yeah, I've got an Akai MPK Mini that I'm using now. I didn't cool. have that when I recorded any of the stuff you're talking about. That was, I think, just programmed. I don't think I had a MIDI keyboard then, or at least I didn't use it. Hmm. So I used that, that for seems, stuff.
0: A lot of those arpeggios are so quick that that actually seems like a pain in the ass, kind of.
1: Yeah. It would be hard to play, I think. I'm not that good at piano.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah, to, those uh, were like font-ize it and fix like it up yeah. after. For sure, yeah. I don't think I could play that on piano without a lot of practice. Um, but uh, what kind of guitar and bass do you play? And do you have something different from back then versus now, or what?
1: I'm not sure what the bass I used back then was. It was either a Yamaha bass or a Korean K bass that I got used, huh. which was like a, a Fender P bass knockoff I got for 60 bucks. I think that might have been it. It had kind of like a dull sound to it that I liked. Yeah, I like that sometimes, um,
0: depending on the style.
1: as short-scale bass for manlets, (laughs) which is, I think, like 26 inches. Okay. So it's pretty short. That's a good instrument. I like it. And then a Fender Jaguar is my main guitar, which you can hear on all the recordings.
0: For sure. Dude, yeah, I was actually just talking about this the other day, um guitar-wise, that I'm, like, such a little baby. Like, on guitar, I always just play, like, my strings are tens, and I have super low action, and, like, when I play bass, I just want to play light guitar, you know? Yeah, I having, know, I know having people light who, like,
1: strings and all that stuff is good.
0: That's the good stuff, yeah. Like, my friends who actually, like, play jazz and, like, took lessons and all that shit will have, like, they'll use, like, twelves for their strings, and the action's, like, super high. And like when you get used to that, playing a guitar like I play is just like a little fucking like kids instrument you can just crush, you know, but I'm too much of a little baby to actually do that shit.
1: People always said Stevie, Ron, Stevie Ray Vaughan used, Stevie Ron, he used the heaviest possible strings and he would still be bending them and stuff and it would like break his nails off and that sucks so bad. His exactly. music wasn't even good. I and he was just on cocaine. That's why he was able to do that. That speaks to his
0: approach to music too, where it's about just trying to shred and play as hard as you can rather than like playing something
1: good. Yeah, like you're just destroying your fingers for no reason for bragging it's like, rights.
0: It's like if in Dragon Ball Z they actually fought their enemies in the time chamber where they train, you know?
1: I don't know. You don't know? Who is that DBZ rap group that we talked about? Oh fuck, um uh, Sicko Mob. What do you think I'm Sicko Mob? <laughs>
0: Damn, dude, were you too young for DBZ or are you too cool?
1: I watched a little bit of it. I never watched it in order. I would watch like an episode when it was on Cartoon Network. Yeah, big mistake. But that means but, I didn't really get the plot.
0: Yeah. I exactly. knew the characters. Well, I guess my, my guitar DBZ metaphors lost. I'll never join Sicko Mob. They won't let me <laughs> yeah, in. You and I should ask if we can both join.
1: Yeah, maybe we can like pivot to like One Piece or Naruto. Or something. Ooh, yeah, I think we need to go step. in a brave new direction.
0: I think Naruto, for sure. I think episode, like, 200 of this show also is going to be us interviewing Sicko Mob, probably.
1: They're not doing anything. That Pitchfork article we talked about was, I think, to this date, their only media coverage.
0: Yeah, that was sort of like the apex. Although I guarantee you that those kids didn't give a shit about getting the media coverage for the most part.
1: No, they probably didn't notice. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So I'm trying to think, um, I guess we were kind of talking about Beverly and how that's just actually based directly on life experience. How about like Fall Town? What would you say about that lyrically?
1: Fall Town is based on the 1704 raid on Deerfield, which was uh, an attack by French and Indian troops against an English colonial settlement. And the reverend's wife had given birth a few days prior And uh, when they marched them north, she was unable to keep up, so they tomahawked her in the back of the head. And that was uh, one of the stories that uh, we—growing up in, like, western Massachusetts that you hear, because that was the first settlement uh, in the area. And uh, the the most significant story from that incident is her daughter, who traveled up to Canada and intermarried into the Mohawks, uh, Eunice Williams— was her name, okay. and uh, but I wrote the song about her mother. I found that I always found that striking.
0: Yeah, they they say very... she
1: haunts uh, the river where she died, and obviously, uh, the the white settlers were not exactly the good guys in that situation. But yeah, I always course. still found it very striking as like a a set piece for sure. Dying in the river in the middle of winter.
2: Oh, you miss every. Tells me how you long to die Still flows with the memories Of your mother's lullabies Surrounding you What could you do?
0: What could you do? And then I guess similarly, what would you say about uh, Audrey Horn, Hester Prynne?
1: That's about... I'd have to bring up the lyrics, let me see. That one sort of has a bunch of different meanings. So it's about like the Puritan stuff. There are a bunch of different references in there. Obviously, the title is a Twin Peaks reference, which is like the dual identity of like a modern person and uh, a 1600s person. Like, so Hester here's Prynne my turn from to the be Scarlet lamer
0: Lutter. than you because you don't know DBZ, but I don't know Twin Peaks. So oh, damn! You got to watch it. You got to watch DB. You got to. If I watch like all 30 episodes of Twin Peaks, you have
1: to watch all 3,000 episodes of Dragon Ball Z as an adult. <laughs> Oh, something that I bring up multiple times on that EP is the theory that the Salem witch trials were call, caused by ergotism, which is a fungus in rye that sort of resembles LSD. Huh, very interesting. And it causes hallucinations, and I always like thought that there are a lot of references to that in there. Like, um, damn, I got to go back and look for that because I had no idea. The idea that like the summer of love happened in. 1692, just the, huh. the weird yeah, the weirdness yeah, of you, that yeah. image of uh of these people out in the field For hallucinating, sure hallucinating, tripping on LSD. Probably not what caused the Salem witch trials, but it's a nice image.
0: There, Hendrix was some kind of
1: guy with a lute. No, oh, he was ripping on the lute.
0: Yeah, he was playing the lute like with a pick on his in his mouth. So that's what your song Goku slash Vegeta is about.
1: Yeah, I feel like Goku and Vegeta. Um. Then
0: let's keep, I guess while we're talking about lyrics and stuff, do you want to talk about pastoral scene too?
1: Yeah, that's about my third great-grandfather who was mentally ill and uh, almost went on a killing spree and then died in prison by suicide in the year 1890. Hmm. And uh, that's, I didn't learn about that until uh, fairly late in life. It was kind of like forgotten by my family. But there are a couple news- newspaper articles about it. And uh, I found that to be a striking story, too.
0: Yeah. And no, also,
1: absolutely. as a, a crazy person myself, I sort of uh, identify with him in a, in a strange way. For sure. And the thing about wanting to plant columbines at his grave is true. That happened. Oh, really? I wanted <laughs> to plant them, yeah, because columbine is the, the flower of murder. Interesting. And also it's, the flower of the game Doom. But yeah, that's. I think Pastoral
0: Scene is probably your best song, like... It's lyrically really good. It's super concise. Like the way it's structured is just so like tight and perfect for what it needed to be.
1: Yeah, um, the chorus doesn't come out until later.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I was going to say, especially like, the f- like, man, I never would have thought of that myself of like the first chorus just being the guitar line, kind of doing the melody. Then the second chorus just being like having like everything kind of sucked out of it. And it's sort of uh, subdued. And then really just saving it for the end. That's super smart.
1: Yeah, I like doing that. I always like, I always write bombastic choruses, and it's hard to fit them in early in the song. Yeah, I always want to do the thing where you start a song with the chorus, like songs in the '60s. Oh yeah,
0: well well, that's another thing. It feels so awkward to do.
1: It's kind of came back around. I guess that is true. Yeah, I I heard that song Havana by Camila Cabello today. Which, for even sure. though she has too many L's in her name, and I don't approve of that, I think it's a good song, and I believe that starts with the chorus. Totally. I think, like, pop
0: artists are doing that again because of the nature of streaming, where, like, they really want to hook
1: people instantaneously. Um, I don't know. I think pop music has gotten better in the past four or five years. I don't know what it was. Exactly. I would say,
0: well, I mean, a lot, well, basically everyone's ripping off Migos for better and for worse. That's
1: still going on for, like, six years now every single person is starting a band with their uncle yeah (laughs) Taylor Swift on her new album is uh collaborating with her aunt yeah get
0: get every uh uncle and aunt she has on there
1: it's time for LMFAO to come back
0: Migos though honestly are um shockingly well actually now they've just done the same thing again and again and again and they're just like they kind of ruined their own thing but um songs like Bad and Bougie and T-shirt and stuff they're the surprisingly good hook writers the same thing goes for Ray Stremmer, where like their first song I thought was fucking terrible, No Flex Zone, and then after like a few more albums, I was like, oh, actually they know what they're doing. Like they're really good hook writers.
1: Blake Bortles, yeah, that's a good song. That's another one that's got a, a good hook. That's just, I don't know. It feels like it's written in a different way than like a standard pop hook. Like it's it's someone coming, someone like on a MIDI controller who's not classically trained in music.
0: Oh, but, that's like, what all that stuff is
1: for. Sure, yeah, yeah, instinctively coming up with a good hook just through yeah. like. That's
0: what strikes Instinct. me about Race Stremmer they turned out to just be, like, actually naturally good at coming up with hooks. Migos are just naturally... The only thing that made their rhythms interesting was the triplet thing, which everyone just copied. But, like, their sense of rhythm is surprisingly better than you think it is. Like, there's a video of them doing acapellas with the three of them, and, like, the ad-libs are just all really perfectly timed between the three of them. It's actually, like, really impressive, you know? It's Uncle Magic. yeah. Uncle, uncle, nephew, excellence. Um, yeah. Speaking of family members, to bring that back to pastoral scene, um, when you were saying, when you were talking about your relative there, that actually like jogged my memory that I only very recently too learned an interesting story about like my dad's side of the family where during the Great Depression, my great grandfather um, killed my great grandmother and himself in, like, a murder-suicide related to the Great Depression, and, like, my, or would that be great, great, I don't know, (sighs) maybe that was, like, my great-great-grandparents, because it's their daughter who, like, was home when that happened, and it, like, traumatized her, um, and that was my dad's grandma, who then, like, when my dad was growing up and would, like, play piano as, like, a teenager, she would just, like, start crying randomly as, like, a grown, you know, woman. And it was, like, I don't know, she had, like, a super traumatic life relating to that, like, murder-suicide and shit.
1: That's very similar to my story. Yeah, now I got to write a song about it. You sure you're not ripping me off? Yeah. <laughs> no, that is very interesting.
0: I'm trying to think of just, like, other songwriting things.
1: Um, I feel like you and I are both big
0: arpeggio fans.
1: Yeah, I love layering arpeggios on. A lot of all of those songs is um, just like open chords, like slightly off-kilter open chords, uh, just picked, arpeggiated.
0: For sure. Are you like a big Johnny Marr fan?
1: Yeah. That's what got me to buy a 12-string guitar. I nice. was listening to I Know It's Over. That part where it goes like, anytime I'm in a studio, I'm like, I'm gonna find a way to
0: use a 12 string, and then I never do because I never do anything that I actually like calls for one. It's
1: hard to tune. That's the thing. Sometimes I like, I think I meant for the original uh, Fall Town riff to be played on 12 string, but
0: uh-huh. I was just
1: doing takes on it and it would like start going out of tune or whatever. Yeah, that's pretty nice.
0: There you go. I think you're the fucking birds over here.
1: I think that's what it is. Yeah, I'm trying to think...
0: Do you like the birds at all, though? Yeah, the birds rock. Yeah, do you eight to turn miles off- high... That's one of That's the, like, great the best song. songs ever to me. It's insanely fucking good. I had
1: to turn off David Crosby's retweets, though. Because <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, true facts stated and all the lib crap. Yeah. He got angry in an interview a couple... No, last month, probably, where he oh. someone was interviewing him uh, just about his life in general for a podcast, and then he thought it was like specifically about the documentary he just made. So he was like, they were asking him questions about like his relationship with Joni Mitchell and all these old songs and stuff. And he eventually just got like mad and stormed out and the, the interviewer like did nothing wrong. It's, it's very funny. I wonder if that's like a
0: result of being um, famous from the era when he was, when everything is kind of like stage managed for you and like, People do the work for you of like, oh, we're going to set up an interview about this and shit. Like, did he just not know what he was getting into because he's not used to fucking doing things on his own? Like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't think he understood what it was, but it's, uh, it's, it's funny to listen to. You can hear him yelling as he's walking away, like getting quieter for like 30 seconds. But <laughs> I do awesome. like the birds. I like um, I'll feel a whole lot better. Off the first that. album, that's a really good song. I think that's their best song. Cool. I'll There's check that a Gene out. Clark song, and their covers are good. And then the country album they did with uh, what's his name, the guy who died. He's big into the desert. Forget his name. But they did uh, "Sweetheart of the Rodeo" with that guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I'm then like- the
1: song, I think it's called "100 Years from Now." That's a great song. Graham Parsons, who is the guy's name.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. And
1: 100 Years From Now is the name of the song. Good song. I don't know. Are there any other, like, instruments in your arsenal there? Uh, no, I've got the guitar. I've got the bass. I've got the 12-string. What do you have?
0: I don't know. I mostly just use, like, a Mexican Strat that has, like, a humbucker in the bridge pickup. Um, I have, like, an Epiphone I sometimes use It's like, a semi-hollow where I, like, changed all the pickups and shit, so it's just, like, a weird mutt. In terms of acoustic guitars, it just depends on where I record. I'll just, like, on my own music, I've used, like, a million different acoustic guitars depending on where I
1: am, you know what I mean? Acoustic guitars are so loud. That's the problem. I don't even have one. What do you mean? Oh, in terms of, like, recording at home, you're saying? Yeah, just being, like, in an apartment. Even if it's during the day, it's, like, you can hear it. I have, like, a different um,
0: level of paranoia about that at each place I've lived, you know what I mean? Like... Sometimes I've been, like, cripplingly paranoid about that. And then, like, the place I live right now, I just don't don't really give a shit. Just play it anyway.
1: Yeah. The people below me have a kid who practices trumpet or trombone and uh, is a beginner. So there's just, (laughs) like, a low, like, (laughs) just coming through the floor all the time. So
0: I think you actually owe it to them to play acoustic guitar then.
1: Yeah, I'm going to play along with them. I'm going to learn when the saints come marching in.
0: That's like such a fucking practice space thing where like, if you're at enough practice spaces for long enough, there's just like bands who like try to make fun of each other by playing each other's riffs, like after the other band plays them and shit.
1: Yeah. That's one of the best parts of like local band culture is making fun
0: of the other local bands. This week we just like, actually we needed a new whiteboard and we found one in the hallway at the practice space. Um, and we brought it inside and just, like, it still had everything written all over it. So it had, like, all their song titles and, like, their song structures for a couple new songs and stuff. And the structures that they took the time to write down were just, like, verse, chorus, uh, verse,
1: chorus, bridge, chorus. It's like, why would you write this down? You should write the whole lyrics to Lyrical Cookout and <laughs> just leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could
0: decipher all of Felix's part to that. He's like Logic. Yeah, dude. I was listening to
1: some of that yesterday because of Felix. I was listening to NF, who is... Have you heard of him? No. I think he might be from Chicago. He's a a white rapper who's, I think, Christian. Oh, man. NF stands for Nathan Feuerstein. (laughs) Uh, He's not even Jewish. He's Christian. And uh, he writes, like, motivational self-care raps Man, that rocks. That is something Felix would know about. It sucks. And then there's uh, Tom McDonald, who's also like that. Of course, yeah.
0: When we did the first E1 show in New York, uh, when Felix was at our place there, we were listening to so many of his fucking songs. It was just awful. Actually, that's when we wrote um, uh, Lyrical Cookout and recorded Felix as part of it was when we were just listening to so much Tom
1: McDonald and just like a couple other guys exactly like that. It takes over your brain. I was listening to that song yesterday by him, uh, if I was black. Oh, I haven't heard he, that one. I think that's newer. Where he's blacked up on the cover art. Yeah, I saw the picture of that like ugh. and it's just like if I was black, I would be mad at the police for killing us. <laughs> and it's like from the point of view Jesus of the black Christ. community. It's it's just Have you listened to his song White Boy, White Boy? Yeah. All of his songs are just about feeling bad about being a white rapper. It's sort of like Macklemore, but uh, with less self-awareness. Oh, it's much worse,
0: though, because he kind of veers into, like, free speech type of shit. You know what I mean? Like, why can't I say this type of shit?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of that in there. Like, it's... And there's, like, a little bit of, like, pro-cop shit, too. Yeah, there are good people of every race. You know, there are good cops and bad cops. You know, I think we all just got to get along.
0: Hmm trying to remember if I have any other thoughts on uh, your actual songs we're supposed to be talking about here. Oh, here's something I wrote down that we basically discussed,
1: but you're a big proper noun guy. Oh yeah. I love using proper nouns. There's a lot of proper nouns in all those. I was, when I was growing up and I would hear songs that have really specific references in them, I would always like that a lot. Like, it sort of pulls you into a situation when there's, like, a reference sure. to, like, a, a specific store or, like, a specific place instead of just being general. So I try to do that. I probably probably overdo it, but... That's fine,
0: man. It just becomes your thing when you yeah. overdo it. You know, you just got to kind of, like, stand by it and own it.
1: It helps evoke things.
0: Yeah. And as, like, a sort of you know, internet era thing. It gives people stuff to dig into, I guess. Like, yeah,
1: that's what this podcast is for. You have to listen in to hear the secrets.
0: <laughs> oh, wait, here's another comment that I was mad at myself for thinking of, but um, the um, keyboard sounds on Fall Town that are not like the harpsichord ones, that especially, but like a few other tones that you have, remind me a lot of like Pinkerton B-sides. Like I just threw out the love of my dreams
1: yeah that's that's where it came from yeah it doesn't surprise me the i was like man we talked
0: about fucking weezer way too much on here but that's exactly what it made me think of.
1: yeah i love that synth sound i wish they had gone into that more they really should have yeah like D- they had this cool synth sound like uh this sound made up and the rentals sort of used it a little bit but they didn't have For the sure. songs they didn't have yeah and then the next weezer album after that was all guitar where's the synth? Yep, that's-
0: that's a classic um, mistake of bands that don't grow in the right way where like Rivers came up with a really cool idea that could have been like the Green Album could have been following that direction and done something truly different. But instead it was just like, let's write the simplest songs we've ever written with the generic Weezer guitar tone, you know?
1: Yeah. And synth was subversive then too. Yeah, for sure. Especially the in a band 90s, like early Weezer two thousands. people like love them specifically for the guitar sound. The Green Album was, I think, the same year as Kid A, when everyone was all over Radiohead for doing an all synth sound. Yeah, and then Weezer just did their crappy rock. Weezer should have done it.
0: Something I like think about every once in a while is that, like, after Interpol made their first two albums, they did like some interviews where uh, Carlos D was like. Our next album's gonna be like our kid A. We're gonna like flip it and like do something totally different. And then Paul Banks in the same interview would just be like, we just wanna make simple rock and roll, dude. We're not gonna change. And it's like that's another band where they could have made a turn right there that would have kept them having like tons of longevity. But clearly, like Carlos D just left the band and Paul Banks just made this boring band that just repeated the same fucking album to, to the present day, you know. I
1: was listening to that first Interpol album. Dude, it's so and good. It's, I love It's that good. <laughs> That's like a, Took one me of the about most... 20 years.
0: Oh, oh so you're just like getting into it right now, kind of?
1: Yeah, I just listened to it, and it's like, wow, Obstacle 1, that's a good song. Dude, the opener, like the untitled song, um,
0: like when that album, you know, like when I was in like high school, that was like the coolest fucking shit to me, where like the bass line's incredible, the drumming's like so cool, the guitar tone's amazing, like one of the first guitar pedals I ever bought was like the Boss Delay, you know, because it's what they
1: used. That's awesome. Those guys were great. Like, that first album was, like, classic, and the second one's still good. So much of that indie stuff from that era I missed out on because I just, like, I would listen to an indie band like Fleet Foxes or... Uh, what were the like, other ones from that I era? Like, just forgettable ones. Me being, like, um, five years
0: older than you makes all the difference where, like, those are almost two eras to me where, like, you know... Fleet Foxes wasn't until I was in college, and stuff like Interpol and the Strokes and all that shit was when I was in high school. So it just like felt so different to me.
1: Yeah, the strokes came out I think too early for me. In the indie stuff. Like I remember being like 14, 15, getting into arcade fire, that kind of thing. And then just kind of like I I would read Pitchfork as a as a little shit of a teen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And just check out these bands, and it would just be the same, like You know, the surf guitar sound with the reverb and the Fender amp and, like...
0: Oh, of course, The
1: stripped-down sound, and so much of it was the same that I missed out on a lot lot of bands that were good because I just, like, so many of these bands are totally forgettable. For sure.
0: That goes for any scene and any genre at any time, you know? 90% of it's just... 90-plus percent of it's just going to wash away anyway, but... Yeah, you
1: just don't hear about it. Not everyone can be
0: Imagine Dragons,
1: you know? Yeah, they're churning out the hits. I guess another actual question for you here
0: is like, and you know, you've sort of talked about this with gear, but like since you recorded the Brock Winthrop stuff, do you feel like the way you write music has changed at all or like your
1: process
0: or, you know, the stuff you use?
1: Um, The stuff I'm doing now is more synth based. I haven't used harpsichord in a while. Lots of synth stuff. It's like an 80s sound. I listened to, there, were, there was like a two-week period where all I listened to was Lucky Star by Madonna on repeat. <laughs> and then when I wasn't listening to it, it was in my head. And I think For that sure. permanently altered the way I look at music. What, what about it altered the way you look at music? I don't know. Just I, going back to the way people constructed those songs once per, home personal recording came out, where you had like the drum machine and the bass synth and then like a couple of other synths. It's it's a very like stripped down way of making music for sure. It's just into these like these components that fit together. It's like a it's it's almost like an artificial restriction that you can put on for creativity.
0: Yeah, I think that's super important. I don't think I've said this on this show yet, but it's something I say like fucking constantly, but there's like a Brian Eno interview where he's t- like I think he's like the fucking smartest like philosopher of popular music where he was talking about how, you know, in this era, you can have like a thousand snare samples, a thousand kick samples, et cetera, et cetera. He's like, why do people still play an actual drum kit, though? It's because you have so few options that you have to be creative, you know, like. There's like a tyranny of choice where when you have a million options for what you can use, it's hard to be creative because you're just like, oh, I don't like this sound as much as this sound and et cetera. And the drum kit lets you just fucking play. And I think that's true of what you're saying here too. Like limit your options and then you can just think about doing like the important part of the work, you know?
1: Yeah, like I like constructing the skeleton of a song just using like a lindrum loop and then uh, just a bass synth and just playing around with that. Then gradually adding stuff to it as the song comes together. That's
0: interesting. Like, I would assume my guess with the Brock Winthrop stuff is it seems like it all started on guitar.
1: It did, yeah. Or bass. A lot of it, yeah. Falltown especially has uh, an elaborate bass line, and Beverly. For the bass line on that, I was listening to uh, a lot of like Pet Sounds demos, the Carol K bass lines. From uh, the Beach Boys and like Motown stuff, where it's almost like a jazz bass line.
0: Yeah. I find it like easiest to start with chords, even if I'm not really going to like emphasize the full chord, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'm always thinking of the chords, even if it's just a bass line.
0: But it's kind of like liberating, especially, you know, the good thing about E1 is just doing really stupid songs in different genres because it shows you that that's not always like necessary I guess like when we've done like rap and country and shit I'm basically just not thinking when I do those and it turns out catchier than music I would normally make because it's so stupid that all you have is like a, a vocal melody going you know
1: yeah I found that too it's so much easier to finish things when the bar is set so low yeah it's so <laughs> easy to make like a good country song or whatever
0: exactly yeah and
1: especially if it's comedy it's just so much there are infinite possibilities for how good it could be, really. So speaking of uh, comedy-oriented stuff that I had fun doing, I recently... You reminded me of my three-second rule cover by Lisa Gale Allred. And this was a viral hit in, I think, 2012 that most people probably either didn't see or have forgotten about, but you should check it out. It's this woman who had uh, a song made in a video... That's uh, very amateurish. Her voice is like very heavily auto-tuned. It's it's a classic viral internet bad song where it's uh, someone who went into a studio who's not really experienced or talented, and they make something with a that's not just bad but has a video. Which, like, if you have a video for a song and the song is bad, it's just, there's this dissonance.
0: God, the video's so cool, too, where there's all just, like, dorks in cowboy hats.
1: Yeah. They're, like, like, in a schoolhouse and shit. Making them do that for a bad song. It's just so, I don't know, it it makes it crossover when a bad song has a video.
2: Is there, like, a reason you
1: you chose to cover it? Oh, it's a great song. It almost reminds me of um, She's So High by Tal Bachman. Oh, interesting! Yeah, it's got like a '90s. I could see that. That's kind of the sound I was going for with a pastoral scene, like uh, especially yeah. on like the the pre-chorus,
0: like that, that sort sense. of
1: like, airy, sunshiny, like late '90s adult contemporary thing. Yeah, I think that's what like, three-second rule falls into too, for sure. Like uh,
0: pastoral scene and your three-second rule cover are probably the most two similar songs that you've
1: done. Um, yeah, that was almost like cool. It's neat. sort of from the uh, pastoral scene sessions. Almost, it's got cool. a, like a similar, um, similar arpeggio thing going on because I was that's I was working on that song at the time. Okay,
0: yeah, I like that. Um, you like fixed the original version basically, where it has like a good bass line in there in the original, but it fucking sounds like shit. It's like this awful slap bass like patch that they're using, and it's just so fucking dumb.
1: That like, yeah, I don't even know how they got that. Like if it's the same you thing as the singing it, senators. I just, yeah, like, how, right? do even, yeah. how do you even, what decade is it? How do you, patches, do you even find yeah. that?
0: <laughs> but like, it, it sounds so bad in the original that if you hadn't covered it, I wouldn't have noticed how good the baseline is because you just went in and fixed up what was already there. And that's what makes the cover like so interesting.
1: Yeah, hers are like all sub bass. She's got that other song, Coffee or Tea, that's also God, that just shit. entirely sub bass. It's like almost scooped out. That song is like,
0: that one was like less viral for a good reason that like the hook is less good. The, yeah, like the it's very motif, similar. Like the premise of the song is just hard to even comprehend. And yeah, like the sub bass is so weird. Like the whole mix of it is very
1: strange. Yeah, it's booty bass. Yeah. It's like, you, you can, if you're listening to it with earbuds or whatever, you can't hear it. It sounds yeah, like it's exactly. just drums and vocals.
0: Or if you're in a car, it's it's going to do like the kind of bass line that's like, doom, doom.
1: Oh, I want to drive around blasting that. Some Lisa Gale. <laughs> yeah. Shitload of bass just turned all the way up. Oh, she has a Santa baby cover. Oh, <laughs> That's awesome. Where she's being like carried around in a carriage and it's not oh, winter. It's like, it's like a video? Yeah. Oh, shit, I'm going to look that up. Like, she's in a, like a, a carriage with Santa that I guess they ran, rented or whatever. <laughs> and it's just like on a dirt road in the summertime. Santa Baby is a song that's made for like the Miss Krabapples of the world. Yeah, it's just so... I don't know. Yeah, it's like someone drunk at an office party getting too horny. It's just, it's uncomfortable. And it's always, it always comes on when you're like with your family at Christmas. They've got it on the station for Christmas songs.
2: Think of all the fun I missed. Think of all the fellas that I
0: Cool. Well, uh, if we don't have anything else to cover, maybe we should play us out with uh, Lisa, oh fuck, what's her name? Lisa Gale Allred's uh, version of uh, Three Second Rule. Followed by your version. And Hell yeah. The time
2: frame. Second rule